I'm Misha Likaros, and you're listening to Digipod, the official podcast of IMAP, the Internet and Mobile Marketing Association of the Philippines. This podcast is powered by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. Hi, I'm Misha Likaros, and you're listening to IMAP Digipod, the official podcast of the Internet and Mobile Marketing Association of the Philippines. This show takes a deep dive into digital marketing and advertising topics through conversations with experts from all over the world. Learn from our discussions and listen in on excerpts from our Boomerang Showcase at the end of this show. This podcast is powered by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. For this episode, I'm joined by my co-host, the co-founder of David and Goliath, and IMAP board member, Mr. Miko David. Miko, how are you doing? Great, great, Misha. Uh, it's good to be back for another episode of Digipod, and I'm pretty excited with today's topic. It's something very close to heart, and um, again, if we can get chismes like the last episode, it'll be really interesting, <laughs> you know? Speaking of the last episode, that was your first show because for everyone just tuning in, um, we cycle through our co-hosts every three episodes. Our first three, we had Mr. Dennis Perez of Unilever. And our last episode, we had you, Miko. What did you think of your first show? Well, I think, like I said, no, Dennis uh, left a pretty high bar no, for, for me to catch on. Uh, so I hope that we can do that a little bit of justice. Uh, thankfully, no. so I think uh, we'll, we'll have a little bit of... Um, leeway to that direction. So, okay naman yun. Want to hit your target market with just a fraction of the cost? Dive into the blue ocean of podcast advertising, the medium that makes sure that retention and conversions equals your ROI. What are you waiting for? Schedule a demo today at advertiser.podmetrics.co. Actually, I am very interested in today's topic because as a creative myself, um, data is not my forte. Neither is data science, analytics, and all of those things. So I rely on people like you who know what they're doing to tell me what I'm supposed to be doing. That's funny, no? I think um, when we think about words like data or marketing or analytics, people have this really mega complex notion of what it should be. But I think it's important that we understand all the different options, no? And from there, you, you know, data and creatives can play very well together, you know? Um, I, I think we have to look at it in a certain way. So I think uh, today we'll get a little bit of um, context from, you know, different hats uh, in the industry to look at this matter. Absolutely. And I look forward to diving in. At this point, we'd like to welcome our esteemed guests who will make us make sense of the, today's topic. So first up uh, is Ogilvy and Mathers, Philippines Head of Consulting and Strategy Director, Mr. Manny Gonzalez. Hi, Manny. Hi, Miko, and good afternoon, everyone. Glad and very excited to be with you guys today. A very interesting and intriguing topic for some, right? So looking forward to a lot of very good discussion for today. Welcome to the show. Um, next up. We have from UL Skin Sciences, their digital business director and business transformation lead, Ms. Ritz-Tan. Welcome, Ritz. Hey, Misha, and thank you for that warm welcome. Good afternoon, everyone. Thanks for having me in this episode. Yep, yep. All right. Uh, last but not the least, we're happy to introduce Nielsen uh, Media Digital Product Lead, Mr. Jose Tano. Hey, Jose. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm looking forward to the next uh 20 or so minutes. All right. Welcome, all right. welcome. We're happy to announce that our favorite digital conference is on. 
IMAP Digicon Pop 2021. The theme for this year is Digicon Pop, or Depop. Depop will explore how digital marketing has finally gone mainstream and become a part of pop culture. What does this mean? And what possibilities lie ahead for marketers? The answer to that and many more questions will be revealed at IMAP Digicon Pop 2021. Depop will run from October 11 to 15, and we have some amazing speakers lined up, including Adam Grant, best-selling author of Originals, Give and Take, and most recently, Think Again, celebrated as a must-read by everybody from Oprah to Bill Gates. We'll also be welcoming Mr. Rory Sutherland, Vice Chair of Ogilvy UK and a rock star TED Talk speaker. For early birds, you can email digicon at futureproof.ph or visit digicon.com.ph. So don't forget, this coming October, IMAP Digicon Pop 2021. Okay, now that everybody's been introduced and settled in, it is time for us to discuss, did it sell? Using metrics to understand online advertising effectiveness. So I guess the first question is for anybody who wants to pick up the ball, we'd like to get some kind of an understanding on how online advertisements work and how they can be used or how their performance can be used to attribute sales. Who'd like to go first? This is a very good, very good uh, question that we have here. We're talking about how have metrics evolved over time. Uh, one statement, what I could say is that it's in constant change. We have this notion that when you talk about metrics, it would be all standards, immovable uh, values, etc. But it's really changing as we change our context. Now, uh, I think three points that I'd like to bring up here. First, we have changing technologies and platforms being developed as we go along. That we are looking at likes, comments, shares. Now, you have to measure augmented reality. You have to measure uh, uh, quick response codes. You're measuring uh, audio and later on, uh, especially for, for uh, a lot of us, uh, social selling. Those developments are actually making this, this world of metrics, of measuring success, uh, very, very dynamic. Now, the second one is, I think, what we're experiencing right now, the shift in business and marketing focus. And that has to do a lot with the pandemic right now. So everyone's in growth and recovery mode. And the mode of communication of marketing of sales right now is becoming hybrid. So it's not purely online. It's not purely uh, physical, but you're seeing offline to online and vice versa. And I think the third one that's really driving this evolution is the way we integrate channels. You might have heard this from the past. Now we've come from IMC, multi-channel. We've come to the omni-channel world, wherein one channel can complete the entire loop. And then right now we've, we're hearing transmedia and trans-channel, wherein the people can now take where the story of the brand will be. So I think that evolution supports that that idea of you know what metrics at one point in time I believe should be all uniform, but right now it's really evolving. And it should also evolve like a way of measuring. That I said, we are dependent on uh, fixed global industry benchmarks. But right now, I think that the way we should see it, uh, not only in advertising, but in uh, business in general, it's iterative. It will change as we go along. And uh, it's not about benchmarks, but it will be, uh, I think, more on meet your previous bests. So that's what I see right now on the evolution of this uh, measurement of success. 
Thanks for sharing that, Manny. It, it's hilarious. I, I had my own notes of what I was going to contribute for this question. You take two out of three <laughs> no, that I had on this list. Excellent, excellent. Um, so, and I completely agree with you, no? Um, I think things have really shifted. Uh, I think uh, as channels always come across, uh, we have, I always have this question, is there a way that we can measure it, no? Um, I remember sometime in the past when TikTok was rising, are there enough tools exactly uh, externally that you can utilize to measure TikTok? But again, there's so much other platforms available. And I think uh, when you mentioned about cross-platform integration, my goodness, I completely agree with that. <laughs> um, you'd be surprised, no? I, I think um, once you start seeing that customers actually are uh, users of one platform and another platform combined. Others naman don't even talk to one another, no? On that note, uh, I just want to jump over to Ritz. Ritz, in case, have you encountered any of these things or do you have a different view of, let's say, how things have evolved no, uh, over time? I definitely can relate to what Manny and you Minko had just mentioned. Specifically for us as an advertiser, I remember that time about five or six years back when content boosting was the name of the game. But right now, we would be facing with different solutions and actually changing solutions at that. We would need to be able to make sense of what to use. And even when we use a particular solution and we boost it, we need to be able to identify whether that solution was effective for the brand or for the company. So in driving the effectiveness, we'll need to have an alignment of where we begin. Of course, with all the metrics that the platforms would provide us, it's always important to begin in the context of the where the company is, to begin with a brand strategy. And to be able to do that, you will need to develop a baseline. So that baseline is something that really needs to have a uh, foundation or starting to which uh, we'll need to consider the past campaigns of brands. Uh, excellent point, Ritz. No? Um, and Sigura, I'll just hop over to Jose. Again, uh, you guys play heavily in the measurement uh, business. No? Uh, so again, how does this evolution you know, factor into all of the things that you guys are doing from a product perspective or service perspective? Uh, let us know. Yeah, isn't it great? Like everything is evolving. There's so much more stuff uh, that's coming out that needs to be measured. One thing that stays the same is, you know, the overall framework of the whole thing, which is one of the things, you know, not, you know, I'm just going to go cheaply plug the DMB and IMAP. But, you know, in the last four years, we've structured that whole framework of E squared exposure times effectiveness, and it has remained the same. And it should have always been like that. We should have always been measuring how many people we're reaching and if it's effective. So at Nielsen, we actually split that second E uh, effectiveness up into two R's, which are resonance and reaction. Like we, we treat, um, the actual purchase is separate from all of the rest of the, of the effectiveness metrics. But because of the evolving media landscape and everything that's going on with digital, we have to measure, you know, we have tools to measure reach. We have tools to measure how different media come together. We have tools to measure the resonance of, you know, separate creatives or creatives all at once consolidated. We have tools to measure how people react. Did they actually respond to this particular campaign? Did it sell? Eh? I see what like you that. did there. <laughs> I worked the title in. <laughs> Thank you, Misha. <laughs> Absolutely. Something that's interesting to me that Manny mentioned earlier, I just want to go back to that if it's all right. Um, you said that there increasingly benchmarks are 
less and less relevant um, as far as across the board um, analysis goes and that brands have to be more cognizant of benchmarks set against themselves, their specific categories, or even their specific audiences. Right. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, how we got to this point? The first ever uh, sign or, or, or uh, sign that, that, that we have a, let's say, a black book of benchmarks. It was like, how many years ago pa kasi? Uh, those were the times where in uh, the, the landscape was not that really that dynamic. Uh, you will be seeing, uh, well, panahon, panahon, uh, you have your Facebook and it's starting uh, starting uh, stages. And then uh, usually, if you remember, uh, the, the main goal of all brands, I remember during that time, was to hit 2 million likes, right? <laughs> or 2 million followers. And then that's it. And after that, also a function of uh, the different platforms expanding their uh, capability beyond beyond exposure. You now see platforms like Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter going into the bottom part of the funnel, consideration, conversion, and loyalty. And this is where everything became very dynamic. Uh, if you are going down the funnel, for example, in Facebook and you have uh, the different stages, it will now depend on your category. There are categories that are very uh, high in terms of engagement. So you're looking at fast-moving consumer goods. That will be high engagement. On the other hand, if you look at, let's say, uh, big-ticket items like banks, uh, real estate, okay, that will be very much focused in laser and turn laser-like type in terms of targeting and even the engagement. And that was the time when we started uh, pulling apart. Okay, when we say, I remember that day, uh, we had, uh, when you say engagement rate, benchmark would be 2%. Uh, Jose would know that. <laughs> uh, 2%. But when we were looking at some of our clients, when we looked at the QSR category, for example, they were not hitting 2 They were hitting 20 30%. So if you were someone who was actually following the, the old benchmark of 2%, you're shortchanging yourself. Everyone's doing 30 and 20, but you're sticking to the tw- to the 2%. And that was the time when we uh, figured out, okay, I think it will be uh, very dynamic and flexible later on. And now you're seeing reports of uh, social media platforms saying, okay, this is our benchmarks for global entire all categories. And then they would have subcategories. For medical, it would be this. For uh, QSR, it would be this. For uh, for auto uh, auto or car, it would be and so on and so forth. It's really, it's really the way we really went deep into the funnel. And then this is where the complexion, I think, again, uh, to what Jose mentioned uh, earlier on, it will be the foundations now of marketing the customer funnel going into play. At one point in time. Yeah, I want to add, like, benchmarks are great when you're starting and you have no idea what you're doing. Um, but one of the things that we realized is, um, you know, we'll provide benchmarks to somebody who's, you know, availing of a measurement thing. Uh, and then as they've progressed, then it, the benchmark is no longer that useful. What's more useful is that they get what their benchmark is mm-hmm. and then use that to, and then use that to better themselves and then it's going to go up because they're going to keep on optimizing and everything. Yeah. And I would connect that to what Ritz mentioned earlier on. Uh, more baselines than, than benchmarks. I think you baseline, your, your baseline could be your own, uh, your own previous. That would be a, a good starting point. But uh, agree with Jose, if you're starting from scratch, you can use the global benchmarks. Yes. But after that, uh, I will tell uh, some of my students at CDM, right? After one month, if you're hitting more than the benchmark, you just scrap that benchmark and do your own. 
Ritz, I I want to touch on something you had mentioned no? on baselines and uh, how you're doing it by doing different versions of communications. No? So I came a little bit prepared today. I decided to look at all of your brands and I was curious about uh, the implementations <laughs> of, let's say, Celetech, you know, Myra, and you know, the rest. No? Care. Yes, correct. So again, uh, some of these brands, no, or majority would be targeting women. And I saw that, for example, you ran mga 60 plus permutations on Facebook for Myra, 22 for... You really uh, counted, huh? And, whatnot, no? and I saw that... <laughs> I did, I did, I did. Uh, no, but it, it's, Miko does that. He makes the rest of us look bad. No, no. But, and we are grateful. No, but I think it's good lang is that it, it, it helps uh, provide context. No? And here I'm seeing that... Uh, there's a product focus, there are, you know, endorsers, there are uh, testimonials, no? And what seems to be the logic of uh, doing different sets, one, comms, and I think, would, that be, would it be correct that you're trying to uh, try to surpass baselines, no? And I think when I try to compare again against um, what's being done in, let's say, other, uh, other brands, no? What could work for one may not necessarily right. be the case for the other. So... Again, that one you'd only know when you start looking at your numbers, no? Can I ask a question? Like, how much do you guys still look at, like, the sheer number of, of like, likes and, you know, likes and reacts? You know what? We don't anymore. Okay. Um, uh, because how we review the campaigns in digital is according to the funnel, so awareness, consideration, conversion. And because each of this funnel would now have a different set of metrics moving from that previous likes, then it would now have a new set of the things we would need to look at. Okay. Yeah, I think context yeah. is really important yeah. to really look yeah. at everything. No? Uh, actually, it's funny because I, I would look at multiple dimensions to tell that story whether it is converting or not. No, I, I look at it because um, this is working for us, but uh, apparently for your competitor, something else is working pretty well. No, So I think it's just also good to... Yeah, it's important to contextualize because uh, I think, um, well, first, there's many different dimensions at point whether there is a good uptick. And I think when you look at other factors, for example, yes, the clicks are high or something, but are people finally staying uh, across the page? Are they finally following through? Are, are we seeing an uptick, for example, in physical store activity? So you have to all put this all together, right? So that, that's quite important when looking at baselining sure it, it got better click-through rates or let's say uh, you know uh, add to basket results but we have to look at it in context of other dynamics so i think that's quite important i, I think there's a lot of different dynamics no pandemic aside I, I was looking at the number of people now logging in to the ads manager accounts of facebook and google and other platforms and again, this, this poses a lot of uh, challenges no? uh, for online advertisers. So what do you think we could do to overcome these challenges? Again, there's a lot of different challenges available. What do you guys think? I think we'll need to identify first in your perspective based on the, your, the companies you work with. What are the challenges that are being shared to you guys? And then maybe we can discuss how these challenges can be addressed. Well, I think first and foremost for a lot of the clients is what they want to see is how do we know that your campaign is actually pushing product or driving people towards it? If we're going to go beyond likes and reach, um, what, what do you really have to show for what you're putting out there for the content that's being created? There's a particular solution basically for every 
aspect of the marketing funnel because here's the secret everything that you can think of that can be applied here has been applied to another country and it so therefore it already exists so worst case scenario is that it's not in the philippines and all you got to do is you know have enough of a reason to bring them in so therefore as long as it exists as long as there's a need there's a way to there's a way to measure it I'm coming. I'm coming because from like um, we've had insta- instances of clients who see something that goes viral, and their immediate instinct is to say, "I want one of those," and then they wonder why it doesn't reflect on them. <laughs> in you know, it doesn't reflect and, reflect effectiveness. See, this is this is something that I don't understand uh, myself. Is uh, whenever anybody says like, "Oh, I want this to go viral," right, or. Uh, a few years ago, um, there was a real phenomenon on TV. I was getting calls from people asking me, how can I replicate this phenomenon? And I'm like, the very definition of the word phenomenon means you cannot replicate it. You can do your best to try to achieve a certain level of success, but there's kind of a level where it's kind of up to the world to kind of spread, right? Going viral, I mean, that's that's just a matter of sharing as much as possible, right? Like, how much of that is really in your control? I'll build on what Jose mentioned. I think also the, the lens that we put in when it... Okay, let's discuss virality. The lens that we put in in uh, looking at virality, at the surface level, it's actually just views, right? And it actually is just exposure. And it will not connect down to uh, your conversion if you don't complement your virality with calls to action or any uh, direction that you want them to actually do. For example, you have a very good uh, TV material or digital film. It garnered, let's say, 50 million views, like BTS levels, right? But you never said buy now or go to this website then there's the problem, actually. A lot of the brands treat digital as like similar to uh, above the line. You only have one message, right? Okay, one single-minded. But in digital, remember, digital is very much, it's now mass and also personalized. So at the same time, you can actually do reach and you can actually fulfill the other parts of the funnel through uh, segmenting your target audiences, right? So, uh, for example, uh, you have, I'm sure you guys are getting different messages if you are a loyal client, if you're a first-time client, uh, or a first-time consumer. That's the, the beauty of digital. And uh, again, it, I've only been in digital uh, since like uh, five years ago. And I was like amazed. I, I came from uh, the brand side, uh, brand advertising side, the one message for all. But hey, I can actually do multiple uh, portions of the funnel at the same time without losing the essence of the brand. So I think uh, that that would be uh, the main point on virality. Complement it with what you want, the action that you want people to do. Is it to convert, to subscribe to something, uh, to download something, to go to a website? And only then will you harness the, the real uh, power of uh, that platform. I'd like to add to your point, Manny. You hmm? gave a very good point in being able to explain the expectations of morality. So to the example that Hosek gave, for any client that would um, expect a viral video, it's also leveling off that the expectation would be just views. Because expecting the material to deliver on sales, but the objective is views, 
we know that there has not been um, the setup of the campaign did not relate to, let's say, an action or integrating it to, let's say, a marketplace or a platform or an online or offline retail store that you would actually be able to link that the views actually is related to the purchase of the customer. So again, it goes back to what is the objective that the customer or that the brand wants. I, I feel that expecting a lot from one campaign when the objective is not set is also unfair, considering that there's a lot, like I said, there's a lot of solutions. Um, it has been done in uh, other countries. And it's because um, each of the objective would have corresponding solution to it. So it's always making sure that you plan your campaign properly to be able to integrate the results together later on post-campaign so that you would also be able to satisfy the needs of the brand team or the objectives of the campaign. Speaking also from the creative agency side, one of the great things about... Um, about being able to measure every aspect of an online campaign is that it also enables you, um, you have the agility to um, change course midstream, which I greatly um, appreciate. Could you guys tell us about some of your experience um, of campaigns that were going one way, you saw how they did, you changed direction, and it worked out for the best? Yeah, we can see where um, when a digital campaign can go uh, off target which means that it's going to the wrong you know outside the target audience uh, and there have definitely been cases in the past where uh, the client is seeing this and then in the middle of the campaign sees this makes an adjustment to whatever targeting they're using sometimes it's reallocation like Ritz said of um, from one platform to another that optimizes uh, the impressions that they're serving. They're still serving the same number of impressions. They're still spending the same amount of money, but less of that money is wasted. So that's one thing. And then earlier, Miko, you were saying that you think that um, everybody has, you know, the most successful campaigns are the ones that plan ahead. And I want to add to that by saying that the flexibility and agility of digital would give you the time to plan ahead, but also that the ability to steer it correctly in case it goes wrong to pivot and what about experimentation like you know would you set aside some budget for to put into a different platform or a different you know just a little bit and if it doesn't work then it doesn't work but if it does yeah if i could just add no uh, to that dimension uh we have received a lot of different projects to reverse engineer campaigns no so, for example, uh, this campaign was quite successful. What were the dynamics behind it? So what we would do is try to look at all the different channels, the different platforms that they utilized, what were the drivers, when it happened. No? And you'd be surprised no, that sometimes uh, an ad agency, media agency, digital agency had a lot of different tools at their disposal to be able to push uh, all the views from happening at the same time. I recall, no, that um, through this one brand, they had a lot. They had a great history of amplifying on YouTube and Facebook, like guaranteed. But at the time, they started to utilize uh, PR influencers to a certain large degree, no, such that they they sequenced the releases of everyone at a short period of time, so that uh, other people who were seeing it, wow, it's it's going viral, no, parang ganon. Um, but you'd see the genius, no? And again, if you uh, uh, take back the 
what see si, i mean go back to what jose had mentioned about tools no all these tools can essentially tell you the different dynamics what was utilized um when did they execute it what were the components diba? and that can really help you uh try to a replicate b uh, contextualize your industry you know sometimes i feel that the the more successful advertisers are those who who planned ahead or looked at different aspects no but again um it's in relation to a specific objective uh i think in the example i was uh, talking about no um call to action for sales nothing not really it, it was really uh, talked about everything but no call to action whatsoever Ngayon, if they if they happen to save all those audiences and then do a follow-up campaign to to convert all of them that could have been excellent but that one we have no visibility on, no. Uh, but yun, I, I think things like that could be important. There are ways to reverse engineer these campaigns and try to to try to baseline, no. But yun nga lang, um, sometimes when you try to compute these things, I'm not gonna go spend this much money, you know. So we have to come into terms with uh, our our targets, you know, these new baselines, and of course our budget, our real budget. So yun lang. Maybe I'd share for that one since Miko already mentioned that we have several iterations of creatives. So the intent of that one is that um, we know that for digital marketing specifically, um, once you deploy your campaign in about one or two weeks time, you'd already know which creatives work. And upon seeing that, you can actually right away optimize the campaign. Uh, so pause the other ad sets that are not working such that you bring value to your the rest of the budget that you'll be spending or ultimately if that platform isn't working then you'll shift your money to the other platform assuming you're you're tapping several platforms at the same time so i think that's the good thing about being able to see results ahead and being able to change um how you optimize campaigns and, and at the end of it be efficient with how you do your campaigns and it actually also goes beyond just digital, the barriers. Because sometimes you now also look into the interplay of, uh, let's say, your social media and your TV and your radio and your billboard. Now, that is a more complex way of looking at it. And it still also helps you optimize and be efficient with your budgets. Uh, if you have the team to actually uh, do the analytics, you will see, okay, I can actually survive, for example, with just Facebook and TV. I cannot stop my billboards, my events. But as long as you have that uh, data and uh, analysis, uh, it actually makes you more efficient and more agile in a way to actually adjust or pivot as needed. That's right, Manny. So actually, an example of that would be looking at the cross-media reach. So mm -hmm. we would get questions in terms of, uh, can, it, can, it, can this band be a purely digital brand? Or can we just have two? Because again, the budget... Is limited. We'll need to prune or choose which platform would bring um, the bank for the uh, for the money that we're spending. So, um, for for that kind of questions, then we will need to look at each performance or data that's available. So we it's also the importance of working with um, with agencies for the platforms because you get to make use of either tools, get recommendations and point of view from how uh, the agencies have done their campaigns. And it would allow you to now have a holistic view of um, how you can answer those types of questions. And again, going back to if you understand your campaigns, all the historical campaigns you did, then more or less you'll have an indication what types of models you can look at. Um, 
because again, it can be one brand's performance can be different to another brand. So it will always have to consider your reference, the data that you have, and um, analyze it carefully together with the partners you're working with. No, I agree with that. Um, you know, measure you. You have to put it together with everything else that's going on in the world because um, I would argue, and it might be a bad argument, but I would argue that in the Philippines, the biggest the biggest disruption uh, in terms of advertising in 2020 was not COVID-19. It's, I would say it's a very close second. I think the biggest thing was that a very large network shut down and therefore everybody had to reallocate everything. And a lot of that, a lot of that went to digital. So I think because of all of these disruptions that are going on, quite frankly, we're at a moment where measurement is actually more important than ever because we don't know what the baseline is unless everybody actually measures, you know, we have estimates, we can, we can guess and everything, but the, you know, ideally we'd all be on the same page. And I think it also touches on something that we've discussed on this show um, in the past in that digital transformation is not a one-time big-time thing. It's an ongoing process wherein it's not enough to just be on these channels. You also have to examine how you're using them, um, how your brands are performing on these channels. It's not just about being present. It's about knowing what to do with that presence. You know, it's... It's interesting. We th- that was one of the discussion points from one of our Web Wednesdays uh, uh, a webinar from IMAP, no. And um, the key point that they mentioned there was that, well, you can have your tried and tested platforms, right? Because they have proven good results, but you have to leave room for experimentation because you wouldn't know, you know. Um, one of the airlines that we managed in the past. They had good uh, performance in one channel. Next month is a different channel, you know. So it's it's quite interesting to see those dynamics. But I think to be able to pivot, it's quite important that you have a good quality report. Um, I think I've seen a lot of reports in the past, no, which were quite shallow. And what's interesting is that when you look at, let's say, Facebook, Google, or the different platforms, there's so many dimensions you can actually slice and dice, no, a lot. And once you start seeing that, you'll realize, you know what, this material is is not performing well. However, this age set for this material actually is working pretty well, you know. So once you start uh, contextualizing, uh, you're now able to pivot and make better decisions, reallocations, no, uh, or make, I guess, uh, decisions midway, no, that will really affect the targets. And I think when you plan uh, ahead, no, and start to notice uh, these uh, changes you can really try to exceed the the targets if possible that said i have a question for everyone no um now you know what sometimes uh, we do acknowledge that the industry is getting tougher right we there's more people now going online i i imagine this as uh, everyone competing uh, on tv and billboards in the past no just a, a lar- large set of uh, volume of noise um, now, let's just say that the numbers are not adding up or stacking up, right? Um, and it's because uh, things are getting more expensive. So what do we now do, right? There are a lot of things that we can modify. And so a question to everyone is that, what are the different levers do you think that uh, people should consider, you know, if, uh, if they have to make changes to their campaign, right? Is it the channel? Is it the parameter? What do you guys think? There's a lot, actually, right? 
as we are uh, going into also uh, cross channel and cross media, we're doing your your ATL, your uh, digital, your activation altogether. I think it's also the same way when you diagnose or when you do an analysis. The last thing you want to happen is to just base your conclusion on the numbers that you see on the dashboard. Sometimes we, when, when, we, when we look at, uh, let's say, figures in engagement or figures in uh, sales, uh, I think what I would actually advise everyone is to also look at the other dashboards that are not digital. So what was the season? Was it a rainy season? Okay. Were, what, what was the, were the prices of oil very high during that time? Was it lockdown? Okay. So there are a lot of things that you should always uh, uh, do correlations with okay, to, to find out uh, why uh, this, this uh, product or why the campaign didn't go well. So again, it's going back to that, to that uh, idea of uh, we are now, again, we are in an omni-channel, uh, trans-channel way of doing things. Sometimes the way we also measure should be following the same way. Uh, we also find out uh, what are happening in the same and other uh, platforms or uh, channels that we're using. And uh, we also have that intersections later on. So I think that's one thing that uh, I'm seeing uh, as one of the challenges and both a challenge and an opportunity, right? For some brands. Some brands are still doing uh, uh, siloed ways of measuring. You have separate reports for the digital team, separate reports for ATL, and uh, separate reports for the activation. And then the ideal really is uh, you should report it as one and see the relationships. Now, uh, I said it's a challenge and an opportunity because, uh, and I would say this to a lot of the other brands and our listeners, if you are still in the siloed ways of doing it, it's okay as long as you are aware that you need to progress later on. Uh, but later on, we would like to go there. As long as you know that you want to go to that uh, point B later on, that's fine. I would completely agree with that. Uh, I think there's so much um, opportunity in the Philippines. I would really say this. Uh, we've looked at like 20 different sectors. In each sector, there are winners and losers no, on each channel, right? Uh, if I look at automotive, you can see that some uh, platforms are heavy on Facebook. Others are heavy on search. Others are using programmatic. Others are using other channels, you know. So I think it's, again, I, I keep saying this, but it's still anyone's game, I, according to me. Um, and I think it's really important to look at the opportunities, but see how you could also integrate, uh, you know, your approach, no, with the different teams, or I would say the... Uh, different stakeholders that you work with, whether it's a media agency, digital agency, or I guess community management team, all these things. No? So important to have a holistic view of everything that's going on. Going back to Ritz, um, I'd like to ask, um, as an advertiser, what are some what are some guidelines or what are some tips that you would have on guaranteeing, quote-unquote, digital effectiveness and efficiency um, in this new data-centric model? Each of the brand teams should have an understanding of what had worked for them in the past. So that would always need to be considered because for uh, them to explore a different platform to spend in another initiative or experiment, they will need to be able to identify what is the incremental impact of the thing that they actually tried to test versus what had worked for them for the longest time. And I think that would uh, that is where brands will need to continue to invest into looking at other ways that they would need to 
remain to stay relevant. So whether that's exploring another platform or sticking to what we've been doing, but changing the communication or maybe just using a different product format or ad format, it would always need to be taken in, in consideration of everything that a brand does to promote. Chances of increasing success will be there, assuming that a brand is focused on its target market and objectives. Again, the objectives does not shift from one to the other, right? Because for um, for a brand to beat its own benchmark or to continue building on higher results, it would always need to continue and build on what has worked for um, the campaigns done in the past and to continue exploring new ways of how to tap new users, be relevant and convince its audience to uh to patronize or buy the product thank you that actually makes sense um it's also i think a a matter of setting expectations for everybody involved so that they understand that just because there's data there's metrics there's there's we're online there is no one size fits all magic wand that'll solve all of their problems and with that having been said um I, I would like to ask you, Manny, you mentioned earlier that um, you've only been engaging in digital for the last five years, um, if I remember right. I, I'd like to ask, um, what was that process like for you in this, in, with regards to today's topic? It was hard. I, imagine me coming from uh, your uh, uh, more on the brand-centric side. Uh, again, uh, I had a lot of uh, those... Uh, learnings from the past single-minded message only he uh stick with let's say your your uh, portrait uh, not portrait but landscape format and then you go into digital where they will say oh it will be different uh, uh metrics that you will be looking at per platform but when you produce something it's not always in that orientation that was crazy that was crazy and it was like looking at different moving parts all together uh versus just looking at one uh campaign to look at so i think that was uh, i would say uh, sorry for the term but it was transformative it was so hard in the first few years but uh you see and uh, right now when you look at it okay so every every all of those uh restart refresh in terms of learning is very well worth it uh it actually uh, made me and i'm sure a lot of other uh agency or creative or advertiser has felt this way when they actually uh, emerged from that uh, initial chaotic uh, uh, immersion on digital. It was like, okay, now it all makes sense. And now you, uh, you might be thinking, of, oh, okay, now how do I connect that previous world to today's world? Wherein that's actually happening right now, right? Uh, they're saying that, you know what, uh, stop talking about uh, uh, we have uh, marketing and then you have a small digital department. It's really everyone's living in a digital world. How do you now create strategy around that? Fair enough. Absolutely. Absolutely, you're right. There's no more delineation between, um, um, and I, I, I use this word, like uh, netizens or whatever you want to call them because everybody's online now okay there's no more differentiation there's no more there's no more barrier to be crossed it's just a matter of how we're going to um reach those people how we're going to communicate with them and how we're going to get our ideas across as communicators before we wrap up i'd like to ask jose's perspective on all of this because with the increased um 
emphasis on metrics, on the need, the sheer volume of the data that is um, being utilized in modern communications, um, where does that leave you guys? What does that, what has that meant for your business um, over the past couple of years, especially as digital infilt- um, penetration has increased exponentially? No, I agree with that. Um, you know, measure, you, you have to put it together with everything else that's going on in the world because um, I would argue, and it might be a bad argument, but I would argue that in the Philippines, the biggest, the biggest disruption uh, in terms of advertising in 2020 was not COVID-19. I would say it's a very close second. I think the biggest thing was that a very large network shut down. And therefore, everybody had to reallocate everything. And a lot, of that, a lot of that went to digital. So I think because of all of these disruptions that are going on, quite frankly, we're at a moment where measurement is actually more important than ever. Because we don't know what the baseline is. Unless everybody actually measures, you know, we have estimates, we can, we can guess and everything. But, the, you know, ideally, we'd all be on the same page. So Jose, we have this uh, way to measure, you know, uh, at uh, at IMAP, right? And you had touched upon it earlier. It, it's the uh, our DMB tool. That I, I think it might be good to share with everyone what's really inside that DMB tool. Can you share with us what's inside? You know, what can we expect, or what should they look into? Yeah. So in in IMAP, we have a tool called uh, M squared uh, measurement maturity. It divides um, the levels of measurement into four separate levels. So the first one uh, is tactical. So that is what Manny was saying. If you're still looking at it in a siloed way, looking at each platform on its own. And then the second one is strategic. Strategic means that you're looking at things, you're looking at a whole campaign, uh, regardless of the number of platforms it's on. That is followed by level three, connected. Connected means that you're looking at all of these campaigns either put together or you're looking at them in relation to, to other media. If you're doing, for example, an aggregate meta-analysis of your campaigns, that would count as a level three. Um, and level four is called Omni, and that's basically where you take into account everything. So just as uh, Manny was saying, taking, taking into account uh, you know, the month, the weather, uh, what else is going on in the world. So that's the fourth level, uh, Omni. And I would go as far as to guess that I think a lot of the Philippines is um, on level two uh, strategic. I think that's where we are as a country, uh, as an industry. I would confirm that, Jose. I, I had a look at the, the results, no? And you'd, you'd only find a handful of companies who are on the three and four range, no? So again, everyone, in case you're curious, you can actually visit dmb.imap.com.ph. It's a free tool. You can log in. You just answer a few questions. It'll give you uh, an assessment of where you are, just, ha- uh, just as uh, Jose had mentioned. And I think it's good to know these things um, because you can take the test uh, a few times in a year. No? So you, you take it now. You do some progress in your uh, digital marketing activities in the way that you measure Take it again, and then sometimes you might be surprised that you could have been already increasing, uh, you know, your skill level, quote unquote, no, on the platform. So this is quite good to help you, a, uh, take a look where you have been or where you should go, you know. And there's a lot of other options that you can actually start to explore in terms of training or visibility on certain aspects. 
So again, I highly encourage everyone do have a look at it. Uh, it's it's a free tool and it could be very powerful for your organization. It's it's a good roadmap too. It tells you exactly where you are and it'll it'll actually show you what you need yeah. or where you are. Yeah. I think it's also good because if you have this, uh, if you take this test, no, it tells you, hey, you know what, we're still here, and can we be like, let's say, a level three in our sector? You know, um, of course, uh, having that opportunity will really tell you what you should work on, what types of skills you don't have yet, and it's I think it's important to contextualize these things so that uh, you know until you have come to a reality what's important, you will not get there yet. So, tamalang, tamalang. Thank you so much, guys. It's been great having you on the show. Like I said earlier, I hope that we can do this around an actual table, maybe with drinks at some point further down the line, when the world starts making sense again. Thank you so much. Join IMAP in shaping the future of digital marketing, along with over 300 corporate members from brands, agencies, advertisers, tech companies, media, and startups. IMAP has spearheaded initiatives to drive digital learning, skills development, and camaraderie in the industry like IMAP Web Wednesday, Breakfast Roundtables, Virtual Member Meetups, IMAP Academy, Youth Digital Congress, and such. To learn more about IMAP, you may download our free digital book, the only book you'll need for digital, via our official IMAP website at www.imap.com.ph and watch out for future events when you follow us on our social media pages. The conversation may be over, but the podcast isn't done. Stay tuned after this message where we end things with a boom. Welcome back. Oh, wow. Miko, I think that went well. Well, I think it's always good to have different dimensions. No? Uh, again, uh, we have people who had come from different contexts, different roles uh, in their organizations, no? or uh, everyone viewing, I, I guess, things from, a, from you know, their own sector. So uh, pretty good, pretty good. And uh, I, I would confirm every single thing that they said. Uh, very correct. I expect nothing less from you. <laughs> no, because uh, personally, you know, I come from five years of content creation in TBWA, and uh, as a as someone who came from a traditional creative background, you know, dealing with data to me is like an alien language, and it's something I also had to learn along the way. And at some point, it becomes the people in the agency are struggling, uh, struggling with all of these metrics and analytics and all that. What more? those clients who just see what other people do and they just want to copy it regardless of whether or not it's applicable to them and their offering. So it was really good to hear those different viewpoints today on making those adjustments. I completely agree with you, Nisha. I think it's important that we try to build a proper story against the numbers that we see. And um, even internally in our company, we always have to tell the creative team how to assess or make sense of it. In fact, we don't show them the charts anymore. We just give bullet points because it's easier uh, to really tell them how to contextualize the figures that come across. No? And I think um, many of the creative agencies today you know, are bridging that gap pretty well. So again, still a lot of opportunity and I really believe that it'll be exciting for our industry. You know, Pretty interesting for our industry. Absolutely. Earlier, we were talking about making adjustments and digital transformation being an ongoing process, which brings us to the part of the program where we end things with a boom, taking a look at past year's Boomerang Awards winners and hopefully giving a little bit of inspiration to you guys for your your future Boomerang Award winners. 
Today, we're looking at a campaign from 2017. Miko, could you walk us through this? Uh, so today's video is actually uh, 2017 Boomerang Awards bronze winner uh, managed by Voyager Innovations for the Department of Finance. If you recall, no, we were shifting our, our tax policies uh, in relation to the train mm-hmm. law. Yep. There was a huge uh, volume of Filipinos who did not understand its impact to us. So in this um, example, the you know Voyager Innovations ran a campaign called Calculator, which is basically their online tax calculator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not the easiest online name in the world to say. <laughs> I know, right? But um, it helps people understand whether uh, their taxes will go lower or if it's higher, it actually will illustrate where their taxes will go to, what type of uh, you know, uh, help that they're able to provide uh, different citizens that you know the government is supporting. So um, again, uh, what I found most interesting about this campaign is that it ran with zero media budget, mm-hmm. yet it generated so much results, uh, online positive sentiments, changing uh, perception of Filipinos. And again, um, it's quite fantastic that what you can do using uh, digital channels and, of course, good creative uh, execution. No? What about you, Misha? I mean, when you watch this video, what also stood out for you? What stood out for me is that for a lot of people, if you're talking about the government, um, for the most part, a lot of them take an, um, have this impression of the government as something that's um, antediluvian, for lack of a better word. So you don't really expect any kind of digital innovation. Um, you know, uh, the, the, the mindset is that everything's out of date. You know, their websites look like they were designed in 2009. But when you get to this, this presented um, users with a way to make sense of a law that they didn't necessarily understand and also show them in plain black and white um, what kind of um, margins they would be looking at in their income tax return. And as far as I'm concerned, that's what made this stand out for me because just being able to know where you stand in relation to the taxes that you have to pay, that's a big deal. There are people who have panic attacks every year come April. So just knowing where you stand at any given time with an app, that that's very much deserving as far as I'm concerned. Actually, what I liked about this uh, execution as well was that it was very simple, straight to the mm-hmm. point, but yep. uh, non-intimidating. I think that's the word I want to use, no? Yes. I, I think um, uh, this reminds me of yung May Huli Ba by MMDA. So yes. Whether you you have a penalty or not. Where you could look up your license plate and you'd know if you had any outstanding tickets. <laughs> exactly, no? So in this case, um, the layout was pretty straightforward, non-intimidating, and it helps illustrate you know the impact to you in a very tangible way so that was quite interesting um one thing that stood out for me especially was the number of shares no and it's because it was a very practical tool you know mm-hmm. um so again they, they utilize let's say technology or even the tax calculator in relation to how things that how the Department of Finance planned it to be. Mm-hmm. And again, it was very useful and the, the sentiments were fantastic. It was really fantastic. I just wish they had a better name than Caltaxculator. Well, it's true that it's going to be It's true. That's true. But on the other hand, you're absolutely right. I like the clean design. I like that it addressed a real-world problem that needed minimal explaining. I mean, I mean, not the problem itself. I mean, just... 
it was something that everybody could relate to. Whether or not they understood how taxes work, it was something they could all relate to. And then here's this digital solution that put everything into perspective in a way that was easy to understand, easy to download, and easy to share. So, yeah, I liked it. Actually, I, when I saw the video, I went and t- took a look at it, you know. So for people interested, it's taxcalculator.dof.gov.ph. So in case that you want to figure out what your taxes are, uh, <laughs> you, and you can really have a look. And really, I, I really saw it uh, pretty interestingly, you know, uh, very fantastic. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.